Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan. And we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon here to open up our lives and minds with you. We'll share some of our experience as counselors, business owners, and most important of all, as everyday people. Hi, and welcome to Shrink Think. This is our podcast that explores the human experience from two therapists' perspective. We use a little humor and a lot of compassion to help you understand yourself and learn new ways of being. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, welcome to the show. Today we have on Dr. Les Parrott. He is a clinical psychologist, number one New York Times bestselling author, and a faculty of Northwest University. He and his wife, Dr. Leslie Parrott, yeah, you heard us right, that's Les and Leslie Parrott, they are co-founders of the Symbus Assessment, which stands for Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. It's used by thousands of counselors, clergy, and coaches around the world. Their online marriage mentoring academy has tried more than a quarter million couples. Les was appointed marriage ambassador by the governor of Oklahoma and ran point on the first ever $10 million statewide marriage initiative. Every year, Les and Leslie speak in over 40 cities across the world. Their audiences include a wide array of venues from churches to Fortune 500 company boardrooms. Dr. Parrott's books have sold over 3 million copies in more than two dozen languages and include the award-winning Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts book, which they turned into an assessment. In addition to his popular writing, Dr. Parrott has published numerous peer-reviewed articles and authored respected undergraduate texts as well as graduate-level textbooks. Les Parrott has also been featured in USA Today, the Wall Street Journal, and the New York Times, and he's appeared on numerous television shows, including CNN, Fox News, Good Morning America, CBS This Morning, The Today Show, The View, and Oprah. We hope you enjoy the show today with this amazing guest as much as we did. Well, today we've got on the show Les Parrott. I'm excited personally to have him, especially because we go way back, way back to my college days. And in fact, just before this episode started recording, we had a few little tech issues. And this reminded me of my college days because this is actually some of how I first met Les. I was in college as an RA in the dorms there at Seattle Pacific University. And wow, this is going to really date me, Les. The iPod first came out and he was kind of struggling with how it worked with the PC. And this was before it had tons of compatibility. And Les, I guess, was looking for a knowledgeable college student to help him out with it. And so I was that lucky person, went over to his house and helped him set up his first iPod to get connected to his Windows PC. But even beyond that, we go way back because I first learned about healthy relationships and healthy love and had a real interest in psychology. And really, that was kind of the basis for me personally for getting into therapy and working with people. But Les is that guy that was working at SPU that taught a healthy relationships class. And so I'm excited to have him on the show to share with us about his, really his, his body of work. He's got some great books, um, a new one that I just listened to on Audible audiobook, Healthy Me, Healthy Us. And he's got the Symbus that we'll talk about, which is a relationship checkup tool. So Les, welcome to the show. It's good to be with you, man. 
memory, I remember getting my first iPod. I don't remember you coming over to the house and doing that. I can certainly believe it because uh, I think I might have been one of the first people on the planet to get one of those things. <laughs> I think you might have been. And you know, this is a long time ago because in my memory, Leslie is still pregnant with Jack. That's where I first ran into you guys. That was a while ago. That, that boy is uh, headed into college next year. So yeah, good, good to be with you. And it's an honor to be on Shrink Think. Yeah. So tell us a bit about just kind of your, your background for people who don't know who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself and really how you got into this field and into the work you're doing. So I'm a clinical psychologist. I have a PhD in clinical psych. I also have an advanced degree in theology. And out of graduate school, Leslie, my wife of uh, more than 30 years, is a marriage and family therapist. She also has her doctorate. So when we moved up from Los Angeles to Seattle, I began teaching at Seattle Pacific University and also doing a two-year postdoctoral fellowship at the University of Washington School of Medicine. And so I was working on the burn unit, head injury unit, and a couple of hospitals in the city. And it was very intense work and something I realized, uh, I don't think I'm cut out to do this for every day for the rest of my life. It was during that time also, during those two years, that some students at the university said, hey, would you come over and talk to our floor? Uh, It was around Valentine's. And this is our first year on campus. And they said, would you come over to our floor? Like, you're the psychologist on campus. And we were the only clinicians on campus at the time. And they gave us a topic. They said, talk on how to fall in love without losing your mind. (laughs) And uh, we said, absolutely. And uh, what time? Well, it'll be 10 o'clock on a Thursday night or something like that. And so we walked over to the residence hall and uh, we lived near the campus. We saw this huge line of students coming out of the thing. And, and, And by the way, they told us to expect around 25 students. And we saw this huge line coming out and, and it's rainy and people are standing in line out in the rain. I'm thinking, wow, I wonder what's going on here. And we go in there and realize that they've all come to hear somebody that they've never heard of because we were new to the campus talk about how to fall in love without losing your mind. That was a real pivot point for us. It was palpable. You could feel the hunger that these students had. And then um, it was the next year that we thought, you know, we should do something for the students on our campus that are thinking about marriage launched an event we called Simba, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. And uh, again, we got a tremendous response to that and more than we ever expected. And so the next year we held it off campus and we had students coming from the UW and other places. And and then the, the next year churches started sending their couples to it. And so we had several hundred that were showing up for this. And so we thought we should probably write a book on this topic, which we did, Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts. And uh, Well, that ended up uh, getting us on the Oprah Winfrey show and Barbara Walters and you name it, the late night talk shows, all the rest talking about marriage and all the morning shows, Good Morning America and all the rest. And it just opened up this incredible opportunity to have really a national platform to speak to couples on marriage. And so we started doing live events around North America and to the tune of maybe 40 a year. And those eventually got into arena events with couples. And, and so 
that's what we've been doing. And we've written a lot of books since then. And, and we've launched a couple of companies, eHarmony to match couples. And we launched, uh, that was with Neil Warren. And then we've launched more recently an assessment company for couples. So that's probably more than you were asking for, but that's what we've been up to since uh, you came over and helped me with my first iPod. <laughs> that's amazing. So when we first were asked about what to speak on the whole idea of loving without losing your mind, why do you think that they asked you that? I mean, did you kind of have a reputation or was it just simply because you were the, the registered clinical psychologist on campus type of thing or was there more to it? No, it was simply because I was working in the counseling center on the campus as well, seeing, you know, just a normal counseling thing for a college campus and then teaching the classes, you know, personal growth and general psych and, and those kinds of things. And our department uh, it was relatively small. It was, I was the clinician and we had a developmental psychologist and an IO psychologist and so forth. And, and so I was the only, you know, what they thought of as a, a counselor. And so that's why they invited us. That was the only reason. And then of course, Leslie, it's, you know, she's a marriage and family therapist. She was working in student life as well on, on campus. And that's how that happened. How long after that was it that you founded the Center for Relationship Development on campus there? And where did that idea come from? Well, as you know, one thing leads to another. I've always bought into this adage that when you meet a need that nobody else is meeting, that success is sure to find you. And we just realized that nobody was really reaching out to students, not, not just on our campus, but pretty much across the board. And we thought, why in the world... Do we not offer courses to students on relationships? Why don't we teach a course called Relationship 101 and just teach, teach the fundamentals of relationships? And, and uh, I won't go into great detail because it's a long story, but we got lots of resistance from other faculty members because you don't just dream up classes and start teaching them. You got to get them approved by the dean and the provost and the committees and all that. And anyway, they shut us down on that idea over the course of a year and a half three times where we kind of brought formally to them to have this new course. And eventually they said, okay, here's the deal. We'll let you teach the class. And they went through all these stipulations and we had to teach it uh, as an overload. And we had to teach it after all the other classes were scheduled. We had to teach it uh, without compensation. It had to be pass fail. And it went on down the list. And so we reserved a classroom for, you know, 12 students. I think it was at six o'clock on a Monday evening which is like the worst time possible to teach a course on an undergraduate campus. Anyway, after a couple of days of registration, the registrar called my office and said, hey, doc, we got to move your classroom. And I said, what happened? Nobody signed up. He said, no. He said, you didn't limit the number of students that could take it. And 350 students have signed up for this thing. So they moved us to the auditorium and we taught that class for a long time on Monday nights around six o'clock, always to full capacity, always a waiting list to get in. Doesn't that speak volumes to the hunger, the thirst that we all have for information on healthy relationships? And so with the success of that, we went on to teach another class in the spring on marriage, whether you're in dating relationship or not. And so we were just trying to meet the need that was there in front of us. It was no grand scheme. And we launched the Center for Relationship Development out of that because uh, we felt like it needed research. We wanted, a, we wanted an entity on campus that formally recognized that. And so we raised some money and the Murdoch Charitable Trust was very generous towards us in helping us do that, not just on our campus, but to help other 
college campuses in the Northwest. And so that, that's how that happened. That's how the Center for Relationships got started. That's incredible. And I love that. I love that because it's like you're not necessarily going in with an agenda saying, I'm going to take this to market and, and hope that people follow. It's that you're listening to what people are needing and you're finding ways to meet that need and adjusting yourself according. In fact, a lot of ways you're being surprised by the response that you're getting, which just speaks to you're not really paying attention to the market necessarily. You're just listening to the need and discovering really just how big it is. How has that grown and changed over the years since you started both that class and that center? How have things kind of grown and changed and developed in what you do and what you accomplish with that? Once you're in this lane and, and you're focusing all of your professional energies on it and doing research, you know, I'm at heart a social scientist, and so we were doing lots of research, speaking at, at professional conferences for the APA and, and other places and making connections with folks. And uh, in fact, I remember Philip Zimbardo, he's a professor, he's retired now at Stanford, uh, was very helpful to us. And, and so was, well, just lots of people that were in the guild and, uh, Seligman, uh, who was, you know, a past president of the APA, all were just very helpful in helping us navigate kind of how we can give psychology away, right? That was the, the motto of psychology when I was coming through the ranks is how do we give psychology away? I remember having, I had dinner with Martin Seligman. I don't know if that name means anything to you, but he's the fellow that did the research on learned helplessness and back in the, the 70s and He's the grandfather of positive psychology. And, and we were having dinner in, in Los Angeles. And I remember he just kind of cast this vision. And he said, you need to leverage anything that you can find that'll help you meet these needs. And uh, 20 years ago, there was this new thing called the internet that was becoming popular. And I remember my friend, Neil Warren, another psychologist and the former dean of the graduate school where I went, we're also having dinner, a separate thing. And, and he said, I wonder if we could use the internet to reduce the divorce rate. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, I wonder if we can match people through the algorithms that we, you know, the tenets, the, the, the things we know from research, if we could build an algorithm, what would do that? And, and so that's what turned into eHarmony. And so leveraging that technology, that was like earning a second PhD for me because it was really understanding how do we reach people's needs through this new medium. And so that's one way it changed. Technology has changed that tremendously. And then, of course, you look at what we've most recently been through, the pandemic. There is a, a, a tidal wave of marriage issues that are going to be washing up on the shores of every psychologist and counselor and social worker out there, at least for the next three years, as a result of what we have experienced around the world in this pandemic. And so we are bracing ourselves for that and equipping counselors far and wide and, and even gone back and raised more money through our nonprofit to help counselors be equipped for that, especially when it comes to using an assessment. And uh, can, can I talk a little bit about the assessment world? Because that's, that's really the biggest change and shift. Not that we didn't have assessments long before we came along, but something fundamental has shifted about that. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And is this going to connect to the Symbus as well? Yeah, because uh, Symbus, that stands for saving your marriage before it starts. You know, we heard from our basically people using this curriculum that we had written. You know, it became a book as well as his or her workbooks and videos and, you know, all kinds of stuff that people could use. 
more than a million couples went through that. And our publisher said, hey, you know, that's a pretty significant milestone, a million books. They said, uh, let's revise it. Let's update it. And that can sometimes be publisher speak for let's put a new cover on the book. And we said, no, let's do it right. We did this massive listening tour with counselors and psychologists across North America, basically asking, what are you doing to prepare couples for lifelong love and what can help you do that better? And that's when it just came back, this huge voice to us that said, we need an assessment that is attractive to this generation, an assessment that is easy to use, an assessment that is accessible for people, and most of all, that is proven, that you know makes a difference. And so I contacted a, a colleague of mine in Minneapolis who had a, a fantastic assessment that was built on research called Prepare and Rich. Uh, his name is David Olson. He's retired now. Began looking at that and realizing it's a great tool. It's built on a mountain of research. And, and we use that research to build kind of a new generation of an assessment that we now call the Symbus assessment. Any clinician that's listening to us can learn more about it at Symbus, S-Y-M-B-I-S, Symbus.com. And how this works, you get trained and certified. It takes three hours online. And then you invite couples to take it. It takes about 30 minutes for them to answer a series of questions. They do that independently. And then you get this 15 to 17 page report. It's infographic driven uh, to unpack with them. And uh, Aaron, I know you use this in your counseling center. And Yeah, I, I would love to just kind of put in a quick plug. I was going to say this, you know, you're not paying me for it at all. This is just totally of my own accord, but I've used it for a few years when it first came out and all of my staff get trained in it. And it's a wonderful assessment. I was using Prepare and Rich before, which I thought was great. It was really helpful. But I actually switched over to the Symbus when it came out because exactly what you said, I found it to be a lot more elegant. I mean, it's more user friendly. It's still built on research, and I feel like it actually narrows down and targets areas to focus on for couples a little bit better than the Prepare and Rich did. Well, I appreciate you saying that. We've worked hard to make that happen. We still love Prepare and Rich. In fact, we love it so much that we bought the company. (laughs) And it's still a fantastic tool. It's a little bit more on the academic side, and we're revising it and giving that a facelift uh, as we speak, as a matter of fact. But so, Simmons, here's the point. Uh, The reason I wanted to get into this. We know that couples that go through these assessments, Symbus or uh, Prepare and Rich, lower their chances of divorce by 31%. Now, here's the kicker on that. And this is every counselor is going to cringe when I say this that's listening in. It's true even if you didn't unpack it with a counselor. Now, if you do unpack it with a counselor, the success rate is even higher. But just the mere act of going through this exercise with your spouse or your, your, you know, the person you're going to marry, uh, lowers your chances of divorce by 31%. Isn't that incredible? And that's our BHAG. Do you know what a BHAG is? No, no. Tell me. A BHAG is a business term. It's, it's uh, just short for a big, hairy, audacious goal. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds worth achieving. Yeah. And our uh, BHAG is to see the divorce rate lowered by a third in our lifetime. Wow. Particularly in local churches. And uh, we're seeing that happen. The pandemic is going to set us back. There's no doubt about 
that. But we have the tools, we have the information, we know what it takes to move the proverbial needle. And so we are just passionate about helping, you know, clinicians, counselors, marriage mentors, chaplains use an assessment like Symbus or Prepare and Rich because in and of itself, it adds values to couples' lives. And then you take your clinical expertise on top of it, even more value is added to that. So I would encourage any anybody out there that's interested in being what we call a facilitator that wants to go through that three hours of training. And we do this uh, even with lay couples that are like marriage mentors or marriage coaches in a local church that have a supervisor doing that. But that's what Symbus is all about. And we took that and have been rolling with that now for a number of years. And we kept hearing from our facilitators, hey, is there any way we could do this in mass? In other words, I'd like to give this thing to my whole congregation, or I'd like to give this to a huge class or a big group or what have you. And of course, you can't do that because it's designed to have a facilitator invite you and unpack it with you. And so uh, more recently, we designed this other assessment tool called Better Love, and it's direct to the consumer. It's direct to couples. And uh, anybody that's listening to us that's curious can learn more at, at betterlove.com. But it's the same idea. We just took out all of the, you know, kind of more clinical aspect of Symbus. And so it's kind of Symbus light. It's only 10 pages, not 17 pages. But it's still this very personalized roadmap for lifelong love. That couples can use and it comes with an action plan that's fun no guilt no blame no shame you know it's it's designed to be upbeat and positive to help you really set your sail for the right direction and that's why i'm passionate about assessments they're so they're so proven and they're easy to do right it's, it's not like oh i gotta go climb that mountain no it's just right there in your front door yeah so you are definitely passionate about relationships that completely oozes out of you you're definitely trying to help the divorce rate that comes through and you developed the Symbus and a, a host of other things that you've got going on. I'm wondering, I have to ask, before you go, can you tell us about healthy relationships? Are there some basic principles? Yeah. In fact, uh, I'll, I'll mention two things because this is what we really had. This as our imprimatur when we built these assessment tools I'm talking about. And if an assessment tool or, or even a counseling session does only these two things, it's enough for a lot of people. Number one, increase your level of self-awareness. Self-awareness, you know, we psychologists often say awareness is curative. And we say that because it's true. Once you become aware of something, then you can do something about it. I went into my 17-year-old son's bedroom just a couple of weeks ago. His name is Jackson. And he, <laughs> he was laying down on his bed and uh, he was reading and I just looked at his room and he's a guitar player and he had a, an acoustic guitar on his bed and he had an electric guitar over in the corner. He had keyboards over here and, and books everywhere. And I said, Jack, I said, look at this room. And he said, what? I said, it's crazy. He goes, what do you mean? I said, it's a mess. He goes, it is. And I said, yeah, I can't even walk to see you because there's so much stuff on the floor. He goes, oh yeah, I need to do something about that. And, and that's just a little insight into what self-awareness does, right? It's like when a counselor, when a mirror, an assessment, whatever can kind of reflect back to you, 
that kind of awareness, then you can take action. So that's number one. If you want to have healthy relationships, you've got to have some level of of self-awareness. Number two is you've got to deepen your capacity for empathy. I wish we could bottle it. I wish we could manufacture empathy and put it in spray bottles and you could have it in your home and you're in the middle of a conversation and you could go, man, I really need some empathy here. <laughs> you spray it on yourself or your spouse, and, you know, just have this capacity to see the world more accurately through their eyes. That is the research shows us it's the heart of a healthy relationship. If you want to get back to the fundamentals, the real basics of how you have a good, strong, healthy relationship, I start with those two things. Now, you build on top of that communication techniques and, you know, conflict resolution strategies and how to get along with in-laws and and how to cultivate more intimacy and better sex and all that stuff is all important. But it begins, in my opinion, with increased self-awareness and deeper empathy. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. And, you know, it's so interesting to hear you say that. I have been saying awareness is curative for over for about 20 years or so. And I just realized I got it from you in your <laughs> classes. So it's the kind of thing that sticks with you. And obviously, I've been saying it to clients in my practice ever since. And it works because there's something about being aware of yourself and understanding yourself that helps you, I think, to be able to get to better empathy. You know, if you've got stuff in your own life, in your own self that's getting in the way, then you can't get to that next up and you can't build things on top of it. Well, that's exactly right, because you have to survey your own emotional landscape before you can take in somebody else's. And so that's why awareness is, is so valuable. That's why, to me, I, I know I'm, I'm really harping on the assessment stuff, but it's the fastest road to that. Leslie, in our, our latest book that came out during this pandemic, actually, is called Healthy Me, Healthy Us. You mentioned it at the front. And it's, it's our kind of prescription on how do you get healthy? Because here's the bottom line. Your relationships, whether it's your marriage, your friendships, your colleagues at work, doesn't matter, your, your parenting relationships, family relationships, your relationships can only be as healthy as you are. And so one of the most important things, and I know you've heard me say this before way back in the day. And I've memorized it. So go for it. I'm so excited to hear you say this again. The most important thing you can do for your relationship is work on who you are in the context of it. I think what you're alluding to, and I will say it, it's that single sentence that we give in that Relationships 101 class. And the sentence is this. If you try to build a relationship or a connection with another person before you've done the difficult work of getting whole on your own, all your relationships become an attempt to complete yourself. Now, that little sentence, it's not little, it's almost a run-on sentence. That sentence is, uh, serves as the basis for the first lecture we give in that, that class. And I'm sure some of our listeners are going, wait, I didn't even hear it. Say it again. (laughs) So let me give it one more time. If you try to build a connection with another person before you've done the difficult work of getting whole or healthy, on your own, all your relationships become an attempt to complete yourself and they'll fall flat, right? Because that's the work that only you can do on your own. With the help of your heavenly father, you can get healthy and whole. Sure, we help each other on that pathway as iron sharpens iron, right? We can help each other do that. But ultimately, it's our responsibility. We can't marry somebody or, or date somebody as a means, as a shortcut, 
to well-being. It just does. Life doesn't work that way. And so, um, yeah, that's this. Do you remember that sentence that I said probably about 300 times? Yeah. You know, the, the way I've always said it is if you haven't done the hard work of becoming whole on your own, then every relationship becomes an attempt to complete yourself. That's how I remember it. And I've been saying it for years and years ever since. And it's still, I mean, you still got it nailed and it's great. It's such a great tool. It's on the first page of that new book, Healthy Me, Healthy Us. And you might be interested in this. Our publisher said, why didn't you write this book years ago when you first started that class? I said, because it takes a long time to get seasoned at understanding how do you put the cookies on the bottom shelf on such a big gargantuan task of getting emotionally and psychologically and spiritually and relationally healthy. That's not just something like, Hey, I'll sit around in this leather chair for a few minutes and dream up some ideas on it. It's a lifetime of work to really understand how you put those proverbial cookies on the bottom shelf and say, this, these are the stepping stones to getting healthy. And that's, that's what that book is about. I don't know if you have any more time, but I was going to ask just one little tiny question. If you can speak to it is, Besides figuring out how to bottle empathy, are you going to be doing anything over the next one to five years that you want to talk about? <laughs> one to five years? <laughs> we uh, are always in perpetual motion thinking about the future. Leslie says I'm a visitor from the future. I'm so hardwired for what's next around the corner. But we have an exciting plan, and I'll come back on your podcast in about a year and tell you about it. But we're going to roll something out here in the next little bit, really in response to the whole pandemic and what we have all been going through and, and are still, you know, contending with. So we will uh, announce that here in the next few months. I will tell you, we have a book coming out in another few months that some of uh, the folks that are listening to that are counselors might be interested in. It's called Helping Couples. And it's a book that Leslie and I wrote with David Olson, who's the founder of Prepare and Rich. And what we did is comb through 40 years of research on what works, what do we know really works when it comes to helping couples in our counseling work. And so that book, when you remember this conversation and you see the book has come out, you call me and I will send a free copy to everybody in your counseling practice. I'm talking about you, Aaron, not all of our listeners. I can't afford that. <laughs> well, very generous of you. It's going on sale for free today. Thank you so much. That's going to be a, a fun project to have available to people. So that's happening. And you know, there's always a, another book in the, in the works too, but yeah. we're excited about what's down the road. I'm as optimistic as ever. You know, I mentioned Martin Seligman, the, the father of all the research on optimism. I buy into that. You know, in the church, we call it hope. And in counseling, we call it optimism. And an optimistic spirit goes a long way. And I'm so optimistic about where we are headed once we get out uh, of this dark period of the pandemic. And uh, even though marriages and relationships are suffering, we have the tools to help these couples like never before. Les, thank you so much for coming on our show and sharing what you have done and your heart and passion for healthy relationships and helping couples find and maintain lasting love. I'm going to make sure that all of the resources that you've mentioned will go on our show notes page so that our listeners can access that stuff very easily, click on the links and be taken to all those things. I just want to thank you again, you know, as a former student of yours and just an admirer of all the work that you've done. Thanks for being here and for all the work you've done pouring into this field and into the relationships across the country and even across the world. Well, back at you, it uh, does a professor's heart good to uh, see one of his students doing the kind of thing that you're doing and using this uh, platform to reach 
others out there as well. So kudos to you on your great success in the Counseling Center that is meeting so many people's needs. So thanks for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming, Les. Hope you have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. And you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening.